talk about knowing who we are because we know who he is. Knowing who we are because we know who he is. Uh, this is a little something I found called Just One Person. was written by a guy named Garris Elkins. Who I have no idea who he is, but I liked what he wrote. The prayer of one person can change the course of a family's history or the destiny of a nation. God does not rule by consensus. He is sovereign above all things, even our determined yet short-sighted understanding of his ways. A single prayer uttered at a strategic moment can alter the course of human history to align it with the heart of God. Stop wringing your hands in fear and despair at the things you see and hear and the hopeless future those reports project. Listen to the Spirit and follow his leading. Your obedience will lead you to an altar of prayer where God will pray through you his heart for the future. Place your hope in the words you hear and pray at that altar. They will be your place of confidence when life is unstable and the future seems insecure. Your prayers matter. This past Monday night, we finished the School of Kingdom Ministry for the year 2019-2020. A little belated because <laughs> of the pandemic, uh, but finished nonetheless. And during our discussion time about the impact of the course on our lives, and we came to the topic of knowing and doing God's will more frequently and intentionally because we have learned to hear his voice. From that discussion, I shared what I feel is God's heart, his will and purpose for the church at this time in history. And in the midst of all that has occurred since the transition began in March, and number one is prayer. You might remember this, Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and do what? Humble themselves and pray. Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. But when I say prayer, I mean intentional Focus, proclamation of the sovereignty of God over all powers, principalities, and strongholds at work in the world in opposition to God's holiness, his righteousness, and his justice. Add to that a clear and clearly expressed confidence in the authority of the church of Jesus Christ expressed through the praying believer in declarations of both binding the forces of darkness, and loosing the captives from the grip of deception that is directing our generations down a slippery slope toward destruction. In other words, prayers that are weaponized. Prayers that are weaponized for spiritual warfare and mighty through God to the tearing down of strongholds. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. 
We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So here you see external warfare, but also internal warfare. You know the most raging battle each of, our, each of us has? You know where that happens? Right in the noggin, right? Take every thought captive unto Christ. And further, I'm convinced that the target of these power prayers should not be the election, should not be the pandemic or the protest or riots, not the Russians, the Chinese, the Democrats, or the multiple conspiracy theories that are filling the internet, the airways, or the deep places of our psyches. No, the lone target of intercession is and must be the welfare and well-being of our children. And there is a part of me that wishes I could water down what I'm about to share, but there's another part of me that knows that there are not sufficiently gross or vulgar enough words to convey the horror of what is happening to our children right now, in our time and on our watch. So forgive me and hang on. If you want to um, take your kids upstairs for a moment, it's up to you. Okay? I'll need about two minutes, that's all. Okay? It's up to you. From the preborn in the womb who are slated to have their lives cut short in the abortion mills of America for the sake of convenience only, to have their body parts sold for stem cell research and infant organ harvesting, which has become a multi-billion dollar industry. The later in term the baby is aborted, the more valuable the parts become and this is the sole driving force behind all of the late-term abortion legislations being pushed through by the Democratic Party now controlling Congress. It has absolutely nothing at all to do with the welfare of a mother. They only want the product that she carries in her womb that satisfies their need for both wealth and power. They have become like little g-gods in their own minds. So I say to you, vote your prayers. Vote your values. Listen, abortion, the abortion industry, and all of its tentacles are a curse on the United States of America. And if we do not pray this issue into oblivion, our nation will perish, and rightly so. That is why God says, if we pray, he will heal our land. And I wish I could tell you it stops there. I wish I could tell you that's all you have to hear about this, but it isn't. On the dark web, you can watch for a fee, a three-month-old kidnapped baby being raped, and not just once. This sickening world of sex trafficking fueled by the relentless agenda to normalize pedophilia has gone exponentially darker by adopting the satanic ritual abuse practice of birthing their own victims. No birth certificates, no paper trail, they use until useless and then simply dispose of the product. 
Again, this is a multi-million, perhaps even multi-billion dollar industry. Meanwhile, our children are being sexually indoctrinated in our public schools, being exposed to all forms of sexual deviation while being educated that all variations of preference are right and the idea of the sanctity of marriage or our own bodies is old-fashioned, outdated, and only held as a belief by bigots and homophobes. Please do not underestimate the force of momentum behind the sexual agenda being foisted on our children in the classrooms of America's public schools. But it is not the momentum of the force of darkness that I want to focus on, but rather the potential power and outcome of a praying church. Let me ask you this question. Do you know who you are because of who Jesus is? Do you know who you are because of who Jesus is? Do you understand the life-changing power the church can generate for the cause of righteousness when we turn our focus away from our self-centered idea of the benefits of being born again, Holy Spirit-filled, praying Christians? This is not a ways and means to advance our own wants and desires. We are called to reflect Christ, to express his will and to pray into reality and for the benefit of others, the purposes of God in the earth. Listen carefully to this verse of scripture in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to who? Can you say that to me? Entrusting to me. See, take ownership of this. Entrusting to me the message of reconciliation. God has invested himself in us through his son, Jesus Christ, so that we can, in turn, invest him into the world around us through prayer and proclamation, through testimony and declarations, and through good works and the demonstration of the power of the age to come. The world that sin has created is not our home. It is not the final destination. God has better than this for humanity, and the church is the vehicle he is using in this hour to reveal his glory. So who are we? From God's point of view and from the framework of his purposes in the earth today, First of all, we are a commissioned people. Matthew 28, 18, this is Jesus speaking. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, 
to the end of the age. I'm glad that last sentence is there because I think we're at that point. We are commissioned by the sovereign Lord of the universe, not by the church or a denomination, organization, nonprofit, or government agency. We are commissioned by the person, Jesus Christ, who endured the cross, defeated death, conquered the grave, took captivity captive, put the host of hell on triumphal display in the heavenlies, and sat down at the right hand of the Father until his enemies are made his footstool. That's who commissioned you. And did you notice that all of the authority granted to Jesus in heaven and earth is the very launch pad of the church into the world as kingdom of God emissaries? His authority is now our authority. His authority is now my authority. His authority is now your authority. And because we are under authority, we can exercise that authority in faith knowing he is faithful to do all through us that he has commissioned us to do because he is always resident in us even until the end of the age. So, so far we find we have been commissioned by God and given authority. And please keep in mind that the level of effectiveness in utilizing that authority is in direct proportion to the level of intimacy that you have with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. If you do not love him, you can't utilize his power. His power flows out of us because his love flows into us. So what does it mean to be commissioned by heaven and to have authority from heaven? How does that equip us in our ministry of reconciliation and prayer? Let me show you two scriptures where Jesus addresses this and provides insight into the outworking of these dynamics both in and through our lives. First is in Matthew 16, verses 13 through 19. Now when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah. Others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Can I say that again? The gates of hell will not prevail against us. The gates of hell, no matter what the news says, no matter what you're seeing on the internet, no matter what you're feeling on the inside, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ, and they will not prevail against you unless you give them permission to. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So when Jesus asked the question, who do people say the Son of Man is? 
He is not asking directly who they think he is. But he is referencing a prophetically coded title from the book of Daniel. Daniel has an angelic visitation and sees the divine timeline to the coming of Messiah to launch the kingdom of God that will endure forever. Daniel describes Jesus in this vision as one who was like the Son of Man. So he speaks first who people in general terms think this guy is. Who do you think this Son of Man guy is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Now, of course, Jesus already knows that he is the Son of Man, referred to by Daniel, but he asked the next question as a relational barometer. But who do you say that I am? See, now he's personal. First he asked, who do they say the Son of Man is? But who do you say that I am? And when Peter gets the revelation, Jesus reveals the source of that revelation as the intimate connection between himself and the Father, which now includes Peter. And immediately, Peter is added to the divine agenda of building the church. Not, by the way, as the first pope, but as an empowered, commissioned follower of Jesus Christ. And he is given two things in the exchange. Number one, the keys of the kingdom. Access to the heavenly realm. Number two, the authority to both bind and to loose. Now, the ramifications of this are far too extensive uh, to cover today. Suffice it to say that this is huge as regards the effectiveness of our ministry to one another and to those who don't yet know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, consider this. Jesus already knew he was the Son of Man. But in order to reveal his purpose in that role, he needed to know that the revelation was being received. That connection was happening already in the Spirit so that he could announce the church. Why? The Apostle Paul, addressing the Corinthian church by letter, says it this way. At the mouth of two witnesses or three shall every word be established. You'll find the same thing in Deuteronomy. It says at the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Right? So Jesus is the first witness of the reality of who he is in intimate relationship to the Father God and to his purpose on the earth. And the Father also bears witness to this by revealing this as revelatory truth to Peter. So there's two witnesses, Jesus and the Father. And Peter is the third witness, which establishes on earth what was already established in heaven. As soon as Peter makes that confession, Jesus is free to loose the revelation of the church, because up to that time, the church was hidden in Christ. This also establishes the pattern for the functionality of our times of corporate prayer, utilizing declarative proclamations of truth as prayer warfare. Matthew 18, 18. Jesus speaking again. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, 
and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So he's reflecting back to the previous scriptures, right? Now he adds on, again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. You see, when two or three bear witness in prayer, the fourth man enters the equation. Okay, so we're going to do a declarative prayer demonstration utilizing the above scriptural outline as a spiritual equation that produces the kingdom of heaven's best up against the worst that the kingdom of this world have assaulted humanity with. So here's step one. I'm going to make a proclamation and a declarative prayer right now. I proclaim that Jesus Christ is the sovereign Lord of life itself. He is the Savior of the world and the remedy for every affliction suffered by humanity. Therefore, in the name of Jesus Christ, I bind every spirit of hell, feeding off of the human sacrifice of our aborted children, our abducted, abused, and murdered children of all ages. And I say this to you, the Lord Jesus Christ rebuke you, and end your reign of terror. I proclaim to the Supreme Court of the United States of America and to all of the sitting justices that rule from there, Roe versus Wade is voided in the heavenlies, and I adjure you in the name of the sovereign Lord of the universe, Jesus Christ, overturn this ruling and stop the slaughter of our babies. So that's just me. I need a witness. James, go. I agree. I proclaim that Jesus Christ is the sovereign Lord of life itself. He is the savior of the world and the remedy for every affliction suffered by humanity. Therefore, in the name of Jesus Christ, I bind every spirit of hell feeding off the human sacrifice of our aborted children and abducted and abused and murdered children of all ages. And I say this to you, the Lord Jesus Christ rebuke you and end your reign of terror. I proclaim to the Supreme Court of the United States of America and to all the sitting justices that rule from there, Roe versus Wade is voided in the heavenlies and I adjure you to, in the name of the sovereign Lord of the universe, Jesus Christ, overturn this ruling and stop the slaughter of our babies. Amen. No, no, stay there. Stay there. That's two. Barbara Blinn. Come up here and be my third witness. I proclaim that Jesus Christ is the sovereign Lord of life itself. He is savior of the world and the remedy for every affliction suffered by humanity. Therefore, in the name of Jesus Christ, I, I can't read anymore, eyes are crying. I, I bind every spirit of hell, feeding off of the human sacrifice of our aborted children, 
our abducted, abused, and murdered children of all ages. And I say this to you, the Lord Jesus Christ rebuke you and end your reign of terror. I proclaim to the Supreme Court of the United States of America and to all of the sitting justices that rule from there, Roe v. Wade is voided in the heavenlies. And I adjure you in the name of the sovereign Lord of the universe, Jesus Christ, overturn this ruling and stop the slaughter of our babies. Amen. Amen. So if you, if you agree, all you have to do is stand up and say amen. 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 Let it be so, oh God, let it be so. Thank you. So did anyone sense the change? <laughs> Amazing, huh? huh? Because Jesus joined with us in that prayer in the third time when we had our three witnesses. Something changed. Now catch this. Remember Daniel saw the Son of Man and coined that title so it is the point of origin for both the title and its purposes. Now watch this event recorded in the book of Daniel. Many of you will know this story. It's in Daniel 3. Uh, Daniel's companions uh, refused to bow down and worship the idolatrous image of King Nebuchadnezzar. They are arrested and condemned to death in a fiery furnace. So we pick up in verse 20 of chapter 3. And the king ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flames of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astounded and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. It is interesting to me that the one recognized by Daniel, a believer and worshiper of the living God as the son of man, when revealed as the fourth man in the fire with those who bear witness of the sovereign God and seen by an unbelieving pagan idol worshiper is immediately known as the Son of God. You see, in the witness of the three, there is a revelation of the Christ. It isn't just that he comes to us to comfort us, to empower us, to enable us. He comes to us that he might show forth his glory to the world who so desperately needs him. It's not about us. It's about the world at large. The very ones who are coming against us are the ones that need to see Christ in the midst of us. No matter how hot the fire gets, you will not burn. No matter how deep the river gets, you will not drown. He promised us that. So I was, I was looking up on Google. I love Google. I just have such a good time with it. Right, so I wanted to find that scripture quick, so I typed in the fourth man, I get a Johnny Cash song. 
<laughs> Seriously. So I had to listen to it. I just had to, you know? <laughs> it was, yeah, it was really good. So Johnny Cash did this song titled The Fourth Man, where he sings that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow, they would not bend, and they would not burn. They would not bow to the idol, they would not bend to the king's command, and they would not burn in the fire because the fourth man was there. May that also be sung of us one day as we enter into this fiery furnace that's going to surround us in the months to come. Remember, he's with us even until the end of the age. Let's stand and pray. Well, we thank you, O oh God, that in these days where so much seems to be helter-skelter, you're making your ways known. I thank you that you've given us this understanding of how to pray corporately, how to pray in a way that declares and, and comes up against the works of the enemy. Lord, I can just sense the forces of darkness are trembling right now because the church is waking up to the power of prayer. So would you anoint us in this endeavor, O oh God, that we would pray until the light of the love of Jesus Christ breaks through and dispels the darkness and destruction that surround us, O oh God. Pray you bless your people. Keep them in this hour. Give them wisdom, patience, and comfort. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen, we got prayer teams are going to be up here. If you need any prayer for anything, just make your way up and hang out. And if you'd like to see a little video uh, concerning the children and uh, things happening, if you're going to be homeschooling this year, especially uh, some of the dangers on the Internet, uh, I'd love to show that to you. It's only five minutes. Just hang out with me, and we'll, we'll do that. Can I have your attention, please, because I really think this is important, and two, two reasons why it's important. The Lord gave me this word before Pastor Dick spoke, and I doubted it, but what, what happened to me this morning before I ever came to church was I tried, tried to get rid of some bad attitudes I was having, and I knelt to pray, and immediately, you know, I barely got a word out to the Lord. Thoughts began to come into my head, and ideas and things that had to be done the day, and I just began to cry, Lord, what is going on? Why does this happen to me? Does this happen to any of you? Okay. I, I, I was able to do just what Pastor Dick said. I said, okay, I am going to determine to pray here at this point. I was praying for me that I could get out of where I was and into the place where Jesus wanted me to be, and I, I was successful, but I had to fight I had to fight to get to that place where I was not being thwarted by every thought that came into my head. I went downstairs, and I felt, felt much better. I really felt like I'd spent some good time in prayer. And I saw over on my um, bookshelf, um, um, Jesus um, Only, I guess that's the name of it. <laughs> but a, a lot of us have that. Jesus Calling, that was it. And I opened up to today's thing, and what he spoke about was what happens when you kneel to pray, and how the thoughts come into your head, and how important it is to do just what he said, to fight through, because there's a battle going on, and it's right here, 
And you have Christ in you. I had Christ in me, and I can be there. In that intimate place, in the secret place, which is what it, yes, corporately, we're going to pray, and we're going to, but you individually are going to have power and might in your own life, in your children's life, in your family's life, and in the corporate life of the church, in the secret place first. And I, I, I feel badly that I didn't say it before because it was a witness. What God gave me was a witness to what he was going to preach. And I didn't know whether someone in this room might pay more attention because there was a witness, there was a word given before he ever said it. And I had no idea what he was preaching. And I encourage you, listen and obey. I didn't. But he gave me this chance, and I almost didn't do this. But you know what? He's talking to us. He wants us to pay attention to this thing about prayer. It's so mysterious, so necessary, so vital for this point in our lives. And I adjure you to get on your knees first thing and do some battle for your soul, for your mind in Jesus. Thank you. Okay, prayer team's up, please.